This is Blue Collar Culture, where you don't need ping pong tables, a cereal bar, or nap pots to attract and retain real A players. Join us where we speak with down-to-earth leaders that understand what it takes to win with a blue collar culture. Now here are your hosts, Jeremy McLiver and Ryan England. We have a lot of subject matter experts, different guests on this show, but very rarely do we have someone on this show that is doing something that's so closely aligned to what we do over here at Core Matters. Today's guest works with service plumbers, those that are moving into the service world or they've been in the service world for a while and they're just, they've hit a wall and they're stuck and they just need to figure out how do I scale my business and take it to the next level? And I know I said plumbing, but I can promise you today's episode, we are going to talk about things that transcend your industry, going to impact any business that you have. If you're struggling to get out of the business, if you're struggling to get more sales, if you want to increase revenue, increase profitability, engage and motivate your team, we cover a lot in today's episode. There's so many things that as business owners, we can do to really make a change in our business. But when it comes down to it, there's only a couple key things that if we get these things right, everything else is going to become much easier. I want to welcome to today's show, my guest, Chris Fresh. He's the founder of The Plumbing Sales Coach. And get ready to take some notes. I know you might be listening behind the windshield right now or at the gym. There is going to be a lot of great information in here, and he's got a great offer for you at the end of the show. Let's get started right now. Hey, Chris, welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm looking forward to today's conversation. We've known each other for a little while now, and I don't know why it didn't occur to me to invite you to the show and share your expertise with our listeners, but we finally are making it happen. So I'm super excited about that. I am too. I appreciate you having me on here and I'm excited to share. I love what you're doing in your industry. Thanks. I think the prospect that you are helping these service contractors, I mean, mostly focused on plumbing right now, correct? Correct. We strive to really help the service plumbing industry, the owners that have that either, maybe they have a construction or a commercial side of that, but they want to get into service or they're already in service and they know there's got to be a better way that's typically who we focus on helping. That's great. Even if you're not a plumber though, I think a lot of what we're going to talk about today is going to be completely relevant if you want to grow or scale your business. When you think about the people that want to either transition in or they want to scale their business, what's the biggest myth about that that they're hanging on to that's kind of holding them back that you want to break down today? Not only applicable to service plumbers, but really anybody in the service industry, anybody that's providing something on top of a product. I think that a lot of people believe that the consumer is focused on price or focused on the cheapest price. And the reality is, is that people don't have a problem spending money. They just want to get something in return for their money. That's our job is to show them what they're getting. It's so funny that you say that in the recruiting that we do and the hiring that we do, everybody's like, everybody's focused on money. They just want to make more money. I go, no, that's not the case at all. So that myth transcends both your employees and your customers. Tell me about it. Why do people hold on to that belief and what can they do to work on overcoming that? I think the biggest problem as a owner or even as an employee is we often view what we do as a commodity. And the reason why that happens is the consumer views us as a commodity. We have to separate ourselves from that. I just simply mean this. We can talk about plumbing for a second. If you're clearing a drain, if you're unclogging someone's drain that's clogged and that's all that you offer, you're going to be compared to everybody else that unclogs drains. 
you have to separate yourself from that. And that's where we get into the details of how to do that in the service industry and really take it to that next level and make sure the customer is getting an experience more than a product. When you said that, I had that vision of that thing I see at Home Depot, that long piece of plastic with the little teeth on it that you put down your drain, you pull it up. Like that's your competition if all you're doing is selling clogging a drain. And then the homeowner says, wait a minute, I could have done that. For (laughs) $3.99. And the reality is, is that they couldn't have done that because we've come in several times behind them when they tried to do it. And it's definitely worse. It's definitely cheaper to get the problem fixed the first time than it is to make it worse and and then have to fix it. They hold on to this belief, and I hear this a lot. So we help a lot of these home service contractors with hiring CSRs. And the number one challenge these CSRs have is, oh, they don't want to pay the dispatch fee, or it's all they say we're too expensive or this. I mean, that's what you're saying, is that the market is kind of breeding that belief system a little bit. So how do they overcome it? Well, that's a great question. It's a question we get a lot and words matter. And I think a lot of times us viewing, how do we, first of all, view that fee? What's that fee doing? And what are we educating our team on what that fee does? Because that's what's going to get communicated to the customer. If we're covering costs or we're taking care of ourselves, or making sure that we don't waste our time, then what happens is the customer feels disenfranchised in the fact that, wait a minute, you're just looking out for you. And then they carry that over to what they expect the experience to be. If you change that to what you're going to do for them for that money, if you show them the value and what they're going to get. And since we're talking about that dispatch fee, a lot of times, first of all, I like to call it a diagnosing fee. The mechanic world is already valued the diagnosis at a price point, meaning people understand paying for a diagnosis when they take their car in somewhere. They're already educated on that. That's what we do on the phone. Hey, look, we're going to come out and diagnose. We're going to spend some time to find out what the bigger issue is. And once we know what that is, then we can come up with some solutions. We do charge a $79 fee to come out and do that. However, if we do work, we waive that fee. And it sounds like you're going to need some work done. Not even sure if this is going to apply to you. And then we move on with booking the call. And the most customers are like, you're right. I do need work done. I do have a problem. You probably do need to figure out what's going on. That is going to take time. Okay, this fee is covering me. Now it makes more sense and I'm willing to pay it. With them, what's in it for me? That's it. Everybody wants to know what's in it for me. That's the world we live in. I've never called a contractor and said, I don't want to pay for their service before I dialed the phone. Like I never was like, I really hope I get this for free. I've never thought that. I've always been ready to be prepared to pay something. I think most consumers are that way as well. They just, they got to like you. And I love that little shift you made because I heard it because you emphasized it, our, it's to cover our costs. It's to cover our time. It's to cover whatever. Just don't even make it about that. We want to diagnose the problem for you and make it all that. You know, I love the comment that you made about the auto industry has already conditioned us to understand that diagnostic fees are a normal part of life. And just that one shift from dispatch, it starts with the same letter even. Like it's not that hard of a shift, right? Dispatch is covering me. And diagnosing is covering you. And that's, it's words matter. The next question I get is, Chris, well, what about people that call about price? They just want to know what the price is going to be. They don't necessarily want to know what the price is going to be. That's just their way of sifting through the people that are going to rip them off in their mind or take advantage of them. And so that's their tactic. That's what they're good at. That's They've called a lot of other people. And so what I tell people is, look, those people are listening for yes, not no. Will you give me the price over the phone? That's what they're listening for. 
you have to find a way to explain what you're going to explain to them without turning off their ear. They say, can I get a price? How much is a water heater? And I say, you know what? I can do something even better for you. That gets their ear turned on to go, well, what's better than a price over the phone? And from that point on, I typically teach the plumbing company to say what they've already been saying at that point. But now the customer's listening instead of you going, no, I can't give you a price over the phone. Now their ears turned off. And now whatever you say doesn't matter. It really can be that simple in any industry, the sales world, just changing the words and changing the delivery and really putting yourself in the customer's shoes and going, what are they really asking me right now? Like, what are they really saying when they said that? And are they really trying to get to something else? And can we get there a different way? Because I want to get there too, but there's a process. And so how can I communicate that? That's to me, like just the key. I love that concept of, are they, they open to hearing you? Are they turned on? listening or have they turned off their listening and like they're not going they already told me no they told me no there they're probably going to tell me other things i don't want to hear and the truth is there's everybody out there that will promise a cheap price over the phone and then they know that when they're standing there and they're looking at your water heater and it took them four hours to get there guess what what are you going to do you're going to say oh no don't charge me the extra money now no the guy's already there and they know that and i think that's where a lot of the industry reputation comes from is we've got a few bad actors out there doing that kind of stuff. You just kind of hit it. it. It all comes back to motive. And that's what the customer's questioning. They don't understand your motive. They don't know your motives in the beginning. And so they kind of fill in the blank. You just admitted yourself as a consumer. I know that there are people offering the cheapest price. I laugh at, I have eight kids and Black Friday has been a place of business for us in the past where we wanted to save money for Christmas, but the product that we got, it literally matched the price. We know that. However, when you're on the phone and I tell you, if I'm the salesperson, I tell you, be careful of the other price. It might not be what you think. Even though you know that's true, you reject the message because you don't know my motive. And oh, well, you're just trying to sell me. We have to understand that that's where the customer's coming from. It's not about us. If you're the salesperson, it's not about us. It's about what they want. And I think that's what I love about what you do, because we've talked about that offline, that it's the same is true for the consumer than the same is true for the future employee, who is the first customer of the company. It all goes hand in hand. All this stuff is relationship. I think there's probably people listening. Well, that's great. And I love, Chris, how you say that, but my CSRs would never do that. Like they would never behave that way. They would never act that way. And it, what's really interesting is, and you already said this, is the employees are first customer. If you're hiring right and you're coaching and investing and training your employees, they're going to do right by the customer. They're going to be able to take these things and say, hey, you know what? What is in the customer's best interest? I'm being taken care of by my employer. So now I'm going to take care of the customer versus what a lot of it is, is, hey, you got to get that spiff. You got to close that deal. If you don't put those tickets on the board, you don't have a job next week. Well, now what have we done? We've redirected it all back to the employee. It's all about me now. I'm not worried about the customer. It's exactly what we just talked about. Look, if people understood this, it's about will, not skill, because you can teach things to people. You can teach people how to push buttons or connect something to something or to communicate a certain message, but to get them to want to do that, there was a whole different game. It's a lot easier to teach the skill to somebody who wants it than to make somebody want it that has the skill. And I think that's the biggest message here is... When you get the best version of someone, that's when magic happens. And it doesn't matter how experienced they are. You work with your clients on not only helping them find these people. I know that you talk a little bit about recruiting in your program, but you're also really coaching these people on how to improve the sales process, helping them build that process out. Tell me a little bit about 
what you're doing there and kind of big picture, high level. And then I've got a couple of questions for you on how our listeners can start applying a couple of these things. Because I do think that business is complex, but at the same time, it is simple. There are some simplicities to it that we can follow. And then as we get into those, we can get as complex as we want, depending on our skill sets and our team. And what I mean by it is this, you need exposure. We teach that. People got to know that you exist, that you're a business and that you exist. And the second thing that we really hone in on is what are they seeing when they see you? Reviews and your brand and your messaging and your personal Facebook posts and all the things that we forget about that people have access to. And then the last thing is, is what are you going to do with that customer? What's the process that you have in place? And I, I say process as a general term, but then inside of that is a sales process. Inside of that is a dispatch process, maybe for service plumbing. But honestly, if you're a restaurant, you have to have a process from the time that the person grabs that front door handle and walks in and stands in the lobby to them sitting down and eating their meal, even to when they leave and making it available now for the next person to come in and eat at that same table. That's the business of the restaurant industry, right? So we all have to have those processes. That's what we teach. And inside of that, we really dig deep into their business, specifically your market. Where are you? What makes sense there? For fun, we just rebranded a company in Indiana. It's a plumbing company. And in fact, it hasn't even been released yet. People might be hearing this and then they'll have to go find it later. We're in the middle of the van wrap, but it's a big, huge piece of corn and he's carrying a bucket of water and people might go, well, what's that? Well, the company name is Cornwell and they're in Indiana. It's just having fun and helping people see the fun in the business and, and get back to that dream that they were building, not the nightmare that they're living in and help them do what they originally wanted to do. We just know there are some common processes and some common things that have to be dealt with to get to that dreamland, to that dream world, wherever they want their business to go. So that's what we do. That's what we take pride in doing. And we love doing. You share that. And, and I'm thinking of the business owner in context of what you just shared, but just like you mentioned with those CSRs, if they have the will, we can teach the rest of it. They've got to have the will to want to change. They've got to have the will to want to have a little fun with it. They've got to have the will to say, let's make it about the customer, not about me. All the rest of the stuff is easy. We just did a coaching call and we do them on Thursday. We did this coaching call and we were doing it and talking about what we we're going to talk about. But before we started, I just felt in my heart, like we need to deal with accountability today. And so we talked about that. And that's really what you're talking about. It does because there's companies that get in our program and they explode. One guy was sharing his stories, $3,000 a week by himself in a truck and gets in the program within a month. He's doing $10,000 a week. Now he's a couple of years into it. He's doing millions a year and he's rolling and he's rocking and he's loving it. I got other people to get in the program in the first six months is them just questioning everything that we say. And then I got other people in the program that it's like, Hey, are you in the program? Hello? Where I haven't seen you. You know, I tell my clients this, I'm just a book. And if you buy me and put me on the bookshelf, I'm no good. You got to read it and then you got to apply it. Otherwise, what's the point? It all comes back to that accountability. Let's talk about that for a second. They've read it, which I think is the easy part. That's the easy part is taking out the bookshelf, reading it. You got to apply it. What's something that the listeners right now could apply in their business to really just help them? Something that you see that's pretty much universal. I mean, everything you've said here already is universal truth. Got to have processes, got to have people with the will, got to make it about the customer. What's one or two things you can share with our listeners that'll really help them just see that, hey, this is possible? I'll say two things because I think culture is really the environment. If you think about an aquarium, fish can only get so big. You can feed it, you can get, but it has to have the right aquarium. That's the culture. I would say with culture, make it about your end user always. 
when you're talking to your team, when you're talking internally, how can we make it better for the consumer, the person spending the money? Because none of this exists without them. How can we always make it better for them? I would say if you can change that focus, the way you talk inside of your company, with your team, outside of your company, if you can just always make it about the customer, there's a Everybody listening right now could go to the internet and look up a company called Mr. Drippy Plumbing in Birmingham, Alabama. It's a fun company, Mr. Drippy. It's a cool little logo. They do a great job always making it about the consumer, the culture, even the team, even the new guy getting hired in. The other team members are saying, make it about the consumer. That's number one. Number two, I would say permeate your community with your brand. And when I say permeate, I mean, get in it, like in it. Just don't be like a big billboard, but get in it, be a part of it, live in it, help it, serve it, make an impact on it. You want the best pay-per-click return on investment ad in the world? Don't run them. Instead, make everybody fall in love with you because you're making an impact where they live. That's literally, you need pay-per-click in the beginning because you don't have anything else. You need SEO in the beginning because you don't have anything else. All those things matter. I'm not saying they don't. I'm just saying that if you want to be in your market for a long time and be somebody that people look to as a solution, permeate your community. Get in the farmer's market if that makes sense for you. Get into the schools if that makes sense for you. Everything in your city is a billboard from now on. Even the placemat you're looking at when you eat, even the 18th hole at the miniature golf course, can your logo sit there at the 18th hole? Is that the most popular thing in town? Are you the you know, Mr. Drippy, they have a water park in their town. We're talking about maybe getting Mr. Drippy in a costume in the water park. Plumbing. How can you do this? He's got a Mach-E Mustang wrapped because that costs $800 to drive around every month in the city rather than a billboard. And it's even cooler than a billboard. How can you get creative with your brand and permeate your community? People go, wow, I'm really glad they're here. Those would be my two biggest pieces of advice. That's cool. The first one near and dear to my heart, culture. There's so much, I believe that as an owner, that's the first and foremost thing you need to do is focus on your people and building a strong culture. Because when you've got great employees and you've got that, what I call the core, they'll take care of everything else for you. You want your employees treating your customers better, treat your employees better. You want your employees getting you more customers, help your employees get more out of their life. Like there's so many things you can do around culture. But that second part, I want to dig into for a second. You had said, get really permeate into the community. If I'm starting out or, you know, I've got maybe one or two trucks on the road, I, maybe I'm still in a truck on occasion. How do I find the time for that? We're like water. We follow the path of least resistance. I was just talking to somebody earlier about the idea of being an attractive character in their market. And I said, you know, we all do that differently. Here's what I mean. If you're trying to permeate your community, what is your gift? Are you really good at Facebook posts? Are you somebody who's a talker? What do you naturally do? How do you normally interact with your community? And now all I would say to you in the very beginning is do more of that and just include the fact that making sure they know you're a plumber. It could be that simple. Just making sure that all of your friends and family know that you're a plumber. So many of us miss that first step. We go right for Google. We go right for some ad or somebody wants to put us in a magazine with a bunch of strangers who never. What about the people who know us? Because we're talking about the brand new person. Now, if you have somebody in a, in a truck and your phone is already ringing, that means you have a little bit of money. This is going to sound a little counterintuitive, but my guess is you're probably not producing what you could be producing with those same calls and that same opportunity. Find some training for your team. Make your team better. Make them 
that they can go out and make an impact in the community, but also maximize those tickets. So you have a marketing budget. Because what I would tell you to do at that point to market, you're going to need some money, not spend it with me, but you're going to need some money to get into your community. People want money to advertise you or to showcase you. And so you're going to need that. Or you're going to need some resource to trade or exchange. You're going to need something. And so what I would say there is, look, if you've got the phone ringing because you started telling everyone you're a plumber and you treat your employees great. So what are they probably telling everyone? They work for this really cool plumbing company. Now that word's getting out. And so you just start there, put some generic face. Don't create a Facebook page just yet. Just go on your personal page. Hey, we started a plumbing company. If you need anything, don't hesitate. And then assume that no one saw that post and don't be annoying. Don't make every post about that, but every couple of days remind everybody, hey, just we do plumbing. And then another cool thing you can do is when you do plumbing, let everyone know you just did some plumbing for someone. That's another way of advertising yourself without advertising yourself. And you can make it about the person you just did the work for. You don't need to make it about you or make it about your employee. Like, oh, Steve just did a great job over here for Mrs. So-and-so or whatever you're allowed to share. And because you're communicating to so many more people than you realize, we'll leave it at that. But I would just scream from the mountaintops as comfortable as I was in my way of communicating. Hey, everyone, guess what? I now do plumbing. Give us a chance. Hey, everyone, I do plumbing. Give us a chance. No, I think that's great. I think a lot of people, they do forget. I remember one of my first sales jobs a friend or a family member called me like, oh, you're not going to believe it. I was in the mortgage business. I just refinanced my house. And I'm like, I'm in the mortgage business. What are you talking about? You just refinanced. Why didn't you call me? Oh, I didn't even think to call you. I totally forgot. That's right. You told me you were in the mortgage. And it's just so common sense and so basic, but we forget just because we're consumed with our profession or our business doesn't mean that the people that care about us are consumed with it. They got their own lives. They got their own distractions. They had their own things going on. I'll promise you right now, there are people listening going, yeah, I do that. I forget to tell people so much. I guarantee it. And it's so funny. You can see me, but they can't. I had to leave the mic for a second because I was dying when you said that. It's so absolutely true. We've all been there. I've had people, when I was younger, I worked at CarMax. I've had people come into CarMax and then I see them working with someone. I'm like, you know, I got my hands in the air like, what? And, you know, it's too late. They're already working with someone. So make sure everybody knows that you do it. Don't be annoying. <laughs> Don't be that one, that one guy. But at the same time, let everybody know. If you just opened up a new product line, maybe you're in, uh, you know, I'm sure you have a wide range of people that listen. It, it doesn't matter what it is that you do, painting, plumbing, let people know what you do so they can then come to you for that service when they're ready. Stay top of mind. I was thinking of this. There's so many people I know in life to this day that will tell me, hey, I'm going on a trip or I'm, I'm doing something. And when they tell me, I remember. But then when they walk away, I forget. And then later on, I see a post somewhere or something of their trip or of their, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. So-and-so was going, this is normal. It's not just with your business. This is normal because it's not affecting me. When you tell me you're a painter and I don't need painting, great, but I already forgot. Tell me one more time a little bit later. And then when I need to, in fact, American Express did a survey and they figured out that it takes four to seven touches with somebody before they can consciously make a decision that they want to do business with your product or service. Four to seven. We're already not telling people once. Yeah. We're not going to have a lot of time to dig into this. I know that you have this uh, philosophy about recruiting and I share the same philosophy about how often and how frequently you should do it. And it's funny to me how many times we work with companies. And they're like, I can't find anybody. I go, have you asked your team? 
oh, my team knows we're hiring. My team knows we're hiring. I'm like, let's ask them. I had no idea we had seven open positions and we had four empty trucks and we were looking for, I didn't know that. There was a study done. This was a while back, but they did a study and they said it was how many times the CEO had to say something before everybody in the organization heard it once. I don't know if you've heard this or not, Chris. No, but I can only imagine. 37 times. Trust me when I tell you, your people do not know that you're recruiting. They don't even know that you want more customers. I promise you. They think you've got it all figured out if that's not their world. You got to be doing the, the stuff that you're talking about. Absolutely. Yeah, you nailed it. And the idea too, that they don't know you're hiring, they might be filling in a different thing, like a different negative thought there. Like, okay, why do we have four trucks sitting empty? Are we getting slow? Is work drying up? Do I need to start looking? I promise they could be doing that because you don't find out until they're not there or they come in and they say, hey, can we talk? And then you have that talk and then you're scrambling around. Okay, this guy's going to offer him a dollar twenty-five more an hour. I'm about to lose someone that I just invested thousands and thousands of dollars of training. And then you're like, should I pay him the other dollar and twenty? Like, oh my goodness. When you tell people you're hiring, when they hear that message, what they know is you're growing. And that's comfortable. That's a good thing. Always communicate that. If you're running your team ragged with OT right now and they're running lots of overtime because you are short staffed, but you've got the volume of work coming in, letting them know you're hiring says, hey, I know you're working too many hours. I know you're not spending time with your family. I'm working to solve the problem. And asking for help, you'd be amazed at how many people are going to want to help you. Yeah, sympathy is, is man, I'm sorry you're going through all that right now, but it'll slow up soon. Empathy is we're hiring. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love the way you summarize that at the end. Hey, Chris, we could keep going. We need to do another show here soon. How do people get a hold of you? I'm sure they're hearing this. I know you only work with the service plumbers or people that want to get into service plumbing. But if you're a plumber listening right now and you're like, yeah, I got to have some of this stuff. How do people get a hold of you? And you've got an offer for them as well, right? Yeah. We're going to do this specifically for the people that are only listening to this podcast. You'll need to mention that, but just go to the plumbingsalescoach.com and there's several spots on there where you can request more information or just get information about our program, but simply put in the message there that you heard me on the podcast and we'll give you a, a 30 minute consultation, no charge. We'll work out what are your biggest problems right there on that call. I love it. Take Chris and his team up on that one. Amazing opportunity. Amazing guy. I love Chris. I love what you're doing. I love your philosophy, your approach. So much alignment in what I do. I, I think that's probably why we get along so well. Amazing stuff. And I love that the way you ended it with sympathy versus empathy. Absolutely. And that transcends everything, not just business. Transcends everything. Thanks for being on the show today, Chris. Thanks for having me, Ryan. I really do appreciate it. And I really do love what you're doing as well. The Blue Collar Culture Podcast is sponsored by BlueCollarCulture.com. We help entrepreneurs create a healthy culture and build a self-managing business. To learn more, go to BlueCollarCulture.com.